0: The message you're about to listen to is produced by the Trans Edge Church. We believe you will be blessed and changed by it. The Trans Edge, change is inevitable. How many of us believe that tonight? He's for me. Oh, well, you can say to me, He's for me. (laughs) Not against me. He loves me, He cares for me, His mind is full of me. Haste for me. Hallelujah. You see, those are the kind of confession that we as Christians are called to make. You know, whilst is okay to always find yourself in the place of confessing your sins and all the terrible things you've done, but there's a better confession And the better confession is what God says you are. Because He has never really seen what you've done. Because it's not about you, you know. (laughs) It's not about you, it's about Him. And that was why He sent Jesus to die for your sin. So that no more will you be tied under the bondage of sin. So instead, there's a new confession. Who are you? Whose are you? To whom do you belong? I'm born of God. Greater is He that is in me than He that is in the world. You see, that's my new confession. And until you recognize that, you'll be living in a whole different dimension, in a different set of rules. You'll be living under a different set of rules. And those rules are the set of rules he used to work under, which was the law of Adam. You know, um, the, the, the law of sin and death, the law that tied Adam down. But today it's different. Because Jesus, who is and was the last Adam, got rid of that so that you can come into the promises of God. So no longer would you be held bound by sin anymore because you are a child of God. You belong to him. I'll say that again if you mean it. I belong to him. I belong to God. And one more greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. He's greater. He lives in me. He loves me. Oh, come on. He loves me. All right. He loves me. And no matter what I do, He wouldn't change His love for me. He wouldn't. Do you know why? Because I belong to Him, I'm tied to Him. My destiny is tied to the life of God. So regardless of what I do, he loves me anyway. How many of you, you've got kids, regardless of what they do, you go got, that's it, that's it, you've blown it, that's it, that's it. You're no longer my child, that's it. You know, at times, as terrible as you are as humans, right, after a few days or a few weeks, especially the, the really wicked ones, they take one week. Okay, after a few weeks, you call them and go, hey, how are you? I just want to check how you are. Regardless of what they've done to you, you still know that that's my child. They may have stolen lots of your money, but if you hear of, you know, anything that's happening with them, your heart will go. You know, you just feel, God, what is going on? Whether or not you are in talking terms, you still find yourself praying for them. So, and that's just you as humans. But how much more God? He says, "I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have loved you with an everlasting love. A love that never dies," he says. Isn't that what it means by everlasting love? A love that never ends. A love, regardless of what you do to it, is still very functional. I have loved you. I have loved you. I have loved you. And if that has never sunk into your spirit, let it sing tonight. He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I've loved you. So regardless of what you do, and you see, that's why at times some of us kind of lose sight of it and then we just go on and do some stupid things. But then the Holy Spirit comes back and goes, Hey, What's up? You go, oh, sorry. I'm sorry, God. And say, it's okay. Come back home. And And the part that gets me all the time is the fact that the prodigal son left the house, counted his father for dead. To him, his father was dead to him. He said, but the Bible didn't say that. No, by implication, what he did said that. Because you cannot share your inheritance while you're still alive. You cannot share your property to your children while you're still alive. But he went to his father and said, father, hey, I'm done with you. I don't like you anymore, like that woman. I don't like you anymore, okay? So share the inheritance and give me what belongs to me. So he was legally claiming what belongs to him although his father was still alive. And no one is required to share or divide their properties to their children unless otherwise they are dead. So to him, his father's life was, meant nothing to him, right? It meant nothing to him. So he just thought, you know what? Just give me what belongs to me. I, I want to get out of here. So his father shared the inheritance and gave him what belonged to him. So as far as that boy was concerned, his father was dead to him. And to be honest, you know what? He left never to come back. What am I still doing here? I'm gone. Gone for good and coming back. So everything you think would ever be mine when you die, calculate it and give it to me today. So it was calculated and it was given to the boy. The boy walked away. But you see, from the very very day the boy went away the father looked forward to him returning back home. So even when he went and did all the terrible things, what happened? The day he was coming back home and thought, you know what, I'm just going to swallow my pride. I know this is shameful, but it's okay. It was worse where I'm coming from that I have started to eat, you know, pig's food. You know, no one is willing to hire me anymore. All my inheritance, my property, my property, it's gone, done, dusted. But I'm going to go to my father because I know even the servants at my father's house, they still have three meals a day that they eat and they, still, they are still satisfied. But here, here I, I am still suffering. I, I don't know what is wrong with me. I've got to go back home. I've got to go back home. He said, I'll go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I know I've not only just sinned against you, but I've also sinned against heaven because as far as I was concerned, you were done. So I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So he, was, he wrote this poetic line out, right? And started rehearsing it. I'll go to my father and I'll say unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven. I'm not sure how many times he recited it so that he doesn't get it wrong. You know, he, he kept doing it. I would say to my father, Father, I'm not sure how many of you are there right now where you feel like things have been done and terrible for you and because it's because of your uninteresting walk with God and you're thinking, I want to come back home. I want to come back home. I want to recommit. You know, at some point you, you're thinking, should I raise my hand again and accept Jesus again because you're no longer sure of your salvation? How many of you have been there that at some point you've not be, you're not sure of your salvation? But he says, I've loved you with an everlasting love, an unending love. So whether or not you are sure, God is greater than your heart. He's greater than your mind. You see, our mind holds us down, but God is greater. He loves you anyway, regardless of how you feel and how you think. He loves you. Anyway, it's just like that child who felt like, well, I don't deserve Christmas gift this year. And all of a sudden, everyone is opening their gifts. And then, there was still one gift left. And he's thinking, "Whose is that? I know it's not mine. I know it's not mine. And dad goes, just open it. And then, lo, he opens it. And his name was written on it. He goes, but I, 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 I don't know. It's not supposed to be mine. He said, but you're still my son anyway. And I buy gifts for all my children. And you're still my child, although you're a silly one. So this young man kept repeating and reciting. He didn't want to get it wrong this time. Because he felt any wrong thing, probably his father would not even listen to him. Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you and I'm no longer worthy. Do you know he was telling the truth? Because he was no longer worthy to be a son. He didn't have a father anymore. In fact, probably when they've asked him wherever he was to say, Where are your parents? He said, my, my father is dead. Because as far as he's concerned, his father was dead to him. So whatever happened to the old man, he didn't care until when things became too difficult for him. And he says, I'm going back to my father. You know, at some point, you remember you have a father. You know, at some point, you just have to remember, you know, I, I've got a father. I've got someone who, who's always got my back. Regardless of how far you've gone. Never re, ne- never forget to look back home. There's always a place you call home. There's always a one you always call father. So when your father and your mother forsake you there I will hold you up. I will hold you up. And then while he was still coming, I was still coming. The prodigal son they called him, he was still coming to his father reciting And all of a sudden, he looked up and saw an old man running towards him. That's my dad. And before he could think twice and remember all he has been reciting, his father came and hugged him. My son is a father. And then he still made the statement. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me as one of your hired servants. You know what his father's response was to him? Nothing. He didn't comment on that. He turned back to his servant and said, Hey, go back and put on, put on him my robe. And he gave him his ring, his signet ring. And his signet ring stands for authority. In other words, you restored back, my son. You restored. And he said, Hey. It's party. It's not Christmas. It's not Easter. But hey, my son who was dead is now alive. Come on, call everyone. Let's have a party. Do you know how much God celebrates you every day? Think about it. The stupid one, the silly one who went away and came back, God celebrates him. How much more the one who never left? You know, at times we get too used to his presence that it becomes too common. And because it's too common, it's no longer a big deal. Oh, go away first. Go for how many weeks? Eight weeks. And come back. And you realize. And you realize how good it was. I want to go back home. I'll go home. I'll go home. Home is the place where you belong. That's the place where you belong. That's where you are loved. At times, the love makes no sense to you because you are too used to the love. But get to remember how you first came to him. He loved you anyway. How dirty you were when you first came. How unworthy you were when you first came. And then he said to you, hey, don't try to prepare. Just come as you are. Come as you are. And you walked in and said, I have accepted you. Clean up the table. Sit him down. Put a crown on his head. From today, you're no longer just Martin. You're King Martin. So he made you a king from the very day you stepped in. Not because you were born into authority but he qualified you to be an authority in his presence. I am who you say I am. I'm chosen. Peter was telling the church, he he was writing his letter, he said, you are a chosen generation. Do you even realize that? Some people call themselves generation X, Y, and so on, then millennials, and the generation unknown. But out of all these, God has called out for himself a chosen one. Chosen generation. He calls them a royal priesthood. an holy nation. A peculiar people. Peculiar. Peculiar. A holy nation. And you became holy not because of what you've done. You know, when it comes to holiness, it's always a mindset. And you're thinking, oh, I don't feel holy today. I don't look holy today. God, <laughs> please. And you think it's how much you pray for forgiveness of sin that, that reverts you to holiness. No. Holiness is not yours to become. Holiness is yours to live. Are you still here? I thought I just lost you. Okay. Holiness is not what you become. Holiness is who you are. Do you know why? Because you belong to him. And no one ever comes close to God unless he's holy enough. But he says, we are God's own. We belong to him. So by implication, we must have been made holy. We must have been made righteous to even come close. Don't you get it? So don't try to work it out. It's already worked out. He's already planned a life for you and a path for you that you can walk in. It said you are God's own workmanship. In other words, you are the work of His hands. He already planned the life that you will live and he's put you back on it so that we can walk in it. I like Psalm 23. Psalm 23. He said, let's go there. Psalm 23. The pathway says, he leads me. He leads me. I'm not sure what that means to you. Verse 3, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. He leads me in the path of no wrongdoing. He leads me in the path that he's already carved out for me. There is a track. There is a path he has called you to live in. And can I say to you what happens every, every now and again that you tend to kind of walk out of it where you feel like, it doesn't feel like I'm walking in the path that God has called me anymore. I'm not sure how many of you ever felt that. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. He leads me in the path of righteousness. I'm not sure. I want to pick up someone. Come on. Look at it this way. Now, this is a path that is set for a sorcerer. Okay? Eva is there. Eva is going to call. Right? And I'm using Eva, not just because she's your daughter, but let's say she's the one that gets your heart. You know? And there are so many things that gets our heart these days. Okay? It could be your job. It could be... Uh, you know, some other things outside of God's, God's will or God's plan for you, okay? It could even be your school. So many things get to your heart, all right? But God has called you on a path, on a journey. Now, as you are walking, come with me. As you are walking, then you hear Eva calls. What do you do? You turn around and say, Dad, take me. And you want to. But here, this is what God does. He leads you. In the path of righteousness. He redirects your focus. So that you can stay the path. He knows there are distractions. But he helps you to get back on the path of righteousness. Do you know why he does that? For his name's sake. Not so that you can be called a champion. But so that people can look back at him and go. He's really the child of God. You know whenever people call you a child of God. He gets the glory. He gets the glory. And that's all he's about. So he will bless you. Not so that you can remain happy, but for him to get the glory. Because he knows when he gets the glory, that's your glory. He gets the glory. Thank you. 1 John. Hallelujah. I am who you say I am. I'm chosen. I'm not forsaken. I am who you say I am. chapter three verse nineteen and twenty and twenty one are we there first john chapter three verse 19 and and hereby we know that we are of the truth. Can can we do new international version? Thank you. Are we here together? Alright, he says, This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. What does that mean? How we set our our hearts at rest in His presence. So we kind of arrest our mindset from hovering, and we set it at rest in God's presence. And here's what it says: For if our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts, and He knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask because we keep His commands and do what pleases Him. Now what's he saying? He said we set our heart at rest in His presence. In other words, He gives us peace of mind. He said regardless of what you do, if your heart condemns you, you see God is greater. He's not the one who condemns you. You see, at times you ask for forgiveness of sin and say, oh God, please forgive me. I've done so much. Can I say to you, how, how, how do you pray for forgiveness of sin? How do you pray? How do you pray? I repent, I repent and Lord, forgive me. I've done this and I've done that. I'm really sorry. Forgive me. How many of you, I'm not sure about you, but I, me, I'll tell you, every time I pray for forgiveness of sin, at times I stand up and walk away and I still feel very guilty. Right? It's true. It's just, you just feel it's not enough. And you feel like, you know what, let's just fast and pray about this. At times you just feel like, so, I've got to do something that's really worth it. And that's what they call penance. Because you have to do something that is commensurate with the level of sin that you've committed. How many of you have committed some weird things or you've done some weird things and then all of a sudden, you know, as you're going past the door, you tripped and fell over. And you stand up and you're happy. Oh, come on. Right? Right? You're happy because you feel like that was what you know, just punishment for what you've done. Say, so, Yeah, finally he forgave me. What can I say to you? God is not like that. That's not God, that's your mind punishing you. And that is why he says, it's our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts, He's bigger than our hearts. Oh, he said it earlier than that. First John one, I think, verse nine. All right. Mm you know how it says that if we ask for for forgiveness, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness? Mm. So He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. So whenever we pray, He's faithful, He's just, He's not going to trick you to say, uh, yeah, I'll forgive you, but until you do that. No, no, no. He's faithful to his promise if you ask. So it's not about how you ask. It is, have you asked? You know, you can be sitting right there and just go, Lord, I just remembered that thing that I did. I'm so sorry. Seriously, I'm sorry. And at times, some smiles are coming out of your face. And then your mind is saying, and you're even smiling. But that's your mindset telling you, and you're even smiling. So you don't mean it. Well, God gets it. You know, oh no, how can I say this? I wish I could speak to mature people in the house today. As in, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about age maturity, I'm talking about Christian maturity. Do you know, oh God, ah, are you so All right. Do you know asking for forgiveness of sin is tick box? It's a tick box activity. It's a tick box activity. Why? Because God wants you to show. God wants you to show. It's just like, where's an invoice? God wants you to show to the devil he's paid. He asked. It's not about how he asked. He asked. Are you still here? Because whenever you ask for forgiveness of sin, he's faithful and just to forgive. So he didn't say when you ask piously or when you ask crying or when you ask. No, he said whenever you ask, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you as though it's never been done. And do you know why he's doing that all the time? Because the devil is always standing to accuse you of what you've done. So because of that, God is always waiting for you to just mention the word, I'm sorry God. And he goes, it's done. It's done. So the devil shows up again and says, you, can't you see? He said, but, can't, Didn't you see when he said, I'm sorry? He said, but he was laughing, but he asked. Yeah, yes, yes, so is, yeah. Hebrews chapter 4, he said, this is the confidence that we have because we have a great high priest who's gone before us. Who's gone before us? He says, so let us hold fast our profession of faith. Let's hold it tightly. If you don't hold it tight, the devil will take it from you. And the way he does that is through your mindset. I'm talking right now. Some of you are thinking, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? But can I say to you, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. And when you hear it and accept it, that's all it takes for the Holy Spirit to minister to your spirit. So you're thinking, so is forgiveness. Asking for forgiveness just a tick box activity. I say to you, yes, Romans chapter 8, and that's my last one, and I hope you got it, but if you didn't get it, get the tape, listen to it again, hallelujah, Romans chapter 8, don't forget this part, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, John one nine, first John 1, 9, but the other part, chapter 3, when he says, if your heart condemns you, God is greater. Then your heart, and it knows all things. Romans 8 Glory to God. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. Oh, I say the last part You are for me, not against me. Oh say it again you are for, me, for me. Not me not against me Say it one more time God is for me, is for me. not against me, not against me. Mm. Romans chapter 8 mm. Haha <laughs> Glory to God. Verse 33. Oh, let's take from verse 31. It's beautiful from 31. You can see yourself better from 31, all right? You know, when you stand by the side of the mirror, you really don't see the whole reflection. But when you stand right at the front of it, you see yourself better. Okay, verse 31. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. That's verse 1. Verse 31. Alright, what then shall we say in response to these things? God is for us. Who can be against us? Take that home. God is for me. Who can be against me? Who? And then he says, he, and who is this he here? God, he who did not spare his own son. And some people stopped there. And go, he did not spare his his son. So if he didn't spare his son, why would he spare me? No, that's not what he's saying. Read it all up. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us. So just to get my attention, just to get me to remain as his child, he gave up his best for me. And he says, how will he not also, along with him, along with Jesus, graciously give us all things? Okay, gone. And then he says, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Are you chosen? Are you sure you're chosen? Oh, you're not smiling about it. You're frowning. Can you turn your frown upside down? Come on. It's true because until you start getting excited about God's word, you'll find yourself struggling to accept it. And that is why the devil will always come and get you right at the point where you've committed whatever you've committed. And he will hold you down until you realize God's truth. Jesus said in chapter 15, John, he said the words that I speak unto you has made you clean. That's all he says. The words that I'm speaking unto you have made you clean. All right. So, he says, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Now, follow this point. And I love Paul. He, 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 he does some beautiful argument. He said, it is he, it is God who justifies. So, in other words, he's saying God does not condemn it is the one who justifies, who makes everyone just, as in righteous, okay? It is God who justifies. Then, by elimination, process of elimination, all right, he asks a question. Who is the one who brings charges against God's own chosen people? Now, there are, there are a few of them, all right, that has the authority to do that. God, the next one is Jesus, the next one is the Holy Spirit, and the next one is the devil. Okay? Okay? So, these people, the Trinity and the defeated one, have the, the power to bring charges against anyone. And he says, who is the one that brings charges against the one God has chosen? Now, by process of el- elimination, he eliminated God first. He said, because it's God who justifies. So, God is taken out of the equation. So, he's left with three other people. Alright, he said, Then who then is the one who condemns? And he says, no one. Why? Because Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So if he's interceding for us, why will he be condemning us? So by process of elimination, Jesus is taken out of the equation. Now, if you roll backwards, he said, by his spirit, We call him Abba Father. He said, the Spirit also makes intercession for us. With groanings that are too deep for words. So by process of elimination, the Holy Spirit is taken out of the equation. So God is the one that justifies. Jesus is the one that died for us and he still intercedes for us. And the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf to the Father. And helps us to call him dear Father. Now... He's saying, so if Christ died for us, and He's also said at the right hand of of God the Father, go ahead, interceding for us. And then he said in verse 35, then who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble. Can you realize, did you realize that he didn't mention the devil's name? Do you know why? Because he's already defeated? He doesn't count. He doesn't count. He's defeated already. So he, he comes back to the natural things that normally affect you because of your mindset. Alright? It says shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. As it is written, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And he went ahead. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We are more. We are more. And I've explained that so many times. What is, what is it to be more than conqueror? And I always make this analogy, right? About Mike Tyson or a boxer or whoever who fights, you know, for, you know, for money or whatever. And let's say, let's use Mike Tyson for, for example. I'm not sure if he's married or have children, but let's just assume, for the sake of this analogy, that he's got a wife, a loving wife, and, and kids who love him. The wife and the children never go to the, to the boxing ring. They never. But tell me, who gains the benefits of the fight? The wife and children. Why? Oh, forget Mike Tyson. Roger Federer. All right? Roger Federer. His wife is sitting right, you know, on the grandstand. Whether or not she's there, it really doesn't matter. Do you know that? It really doesn't matter. But she's just there. I, Whether or not she's frowning or crying or doing whatever, it really doesn't matter. But whenever Roger Federer finishes playing, who enjoys the benefit of that play? The wife and children. Regardless of how long Roger stays on the court to play, whether it's 30 minutes or 10 hours, who still enjoys it? The wife and children. Now, I tell you, who is the victor? Roger Federer. But who is more than conqueror? The wife and children. Because they get the benefit. They didn't fight, but they get the benefit. Do you get it? He said, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. So Jesus is the victor over sin and death. But we are more than conquerors because we get the benefit. We get the benefit. We get the benefit. So so he says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And in verse 38, the last one. He said, for I am convinced. Can we all read this together? Go. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither heights nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, Nothing. 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 Did you hear where he said, neither angels nor demons? Did you see that? So the devil has no power over you. Has no power over you. You're God's own. You're God's own. He's got you. He's got you. If your mind condemns you, hey, push your mind out of the way. Just say, God is greater than my mind. And he knows all things. I'm born of God. Greater is he that's in me. He loves me no matter how I feel about it. You get it? He loves me no matter how I feel about it. He called me with a holy calling. He says I'm chosen, not forsaken. I am who he says. I'll believe him for what he says than what my mind tells me about myself. I believe him. I believe him. I believe him. I believe him more than I believe my family. I believe him more than I believe my children. I believe him more than I believe my boss. My boss may say I have no capacity. My boss may say I don't have the skills or the experience. But I believe him who has called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. I believe him. I believe him. I believe him. I'd rather accept his report than the report of the world. I believe him. I'm born of God. You see, you, you go home tonight and just keep confessing that. Keep confessing that. You know, at times, that idea, that whatever silly thing you did might, might bump into your mind and go, Well, you did this thing. Then just tick the box. Oh, you remember? Just tick the box. Oh, Lord, I'm so sorry I did that. And then continue with your righteousness. All right? Continue. And if your mind reminds you tomorrow, just tell your mind, I already asked. I already sought permission. I already knocked that out. And always say, God is greater than my heart. And he knows all things. In Jesus' name. Can we stand on our feet? Hallelujah. Lord, we bless you. We honor you. We adore you, God. For the truth of your word. You are greater than our hearts. No matter how much our situation, our circumstances you know the things around us tend to pull us down we look up to you God because you've saved us, you've called us you've chosen us and anointed us God I praise you you're greater than our hearts God and you know all things you know all things neither life nor death no angels nor demons nor famine, nor hunger nor strife, nor persecution will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord so you'll be glory in Jesus name the message you've heard was produced by the Trans Edge Church and we hope it has inspired you for more information please visit our website www.thetransedge.com or you may contact us by email to frontdesk at vitransedge.com